0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great mercy and your goodness to us, and we pray that you would not leave us to ourselves, but that you would send your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word tonight, that we might uh, see you as we come to the table this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So I only want to preach on one verse this evening, and that even though it's just one verse, it doesn't mean it's going to be a very short sermon, but nonetheless, it's chapter 11, verse 26, which I would draw your attention to when Paul writes, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Because in this one verse is really the entire teaching of the passage. Uh, This is the real uh, verse on which the entirety of our passage this evening hinges. And in just this one verse, we hear St. Paul teaching three things of significance regarding the Lord's Supper. The first of these is that the Lord's Supper is intended to be an occasion where Christ is proclaimed as Savior, the one who died our death in order that we might live, This is why he says that when we come and we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. So too, the Lord's Supper is intended to be an occasion where we feed on Christ as our sustainer. Whenever you eat of this bread, whenever you drink of this cup, or as he says here, for as often as you eat and drink. And so... When we come to the table, it's an occasion in which we feed upon Christ who sustains us. And thirdly, the Lord's Supper is intended to be an occasion when we look for Christ to come again. Because we come to the table, and when we do, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so before we come to the Lord's table tonight, we ought to focus on these three things that it provides for us as the Bible teaches. And so we see first that we proclaim Christ as our Savior who died for us in the Lord's Supper. Because this is not just a celebration of Christ's victory over death in the grave, but it's a proclamation Uh, It is uh, the visible word as the reformers would say. We're used to hearing the audible word or at least that's the way that we think of the proclamation of the gospel is one who's articulating the person and work of Jesus Christ. But the sacrament of Holy Communion is a visible word that proclaims and shows to us who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us through his cross and resurrection. Paul in Galatians 3 says it this way. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And in the same way, the Lord's Supper publicly publicly portrays the crucified Lord Jesus. Now I think it's important to understand what exactly the Lord's Supper is preaching, what it is proclaiming to us. In verse 23 in our passage... Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. All right, he's laying down a historical marker. He's saying, what I'm giving to you is what happened on the night that Jesus gathered his disciples on that Thursday before he died. Now, this was more than just any farewell dinner. It was a very specific dinner, celebrating a specific occasion. And that occasion is the Passover supper and this Passover meal that was commanded uh, to Moses and the Israelites while they dwelt in Egypt you can find this in Exodus 12 and Exodus 13 where God said that the angel of death was going to visit them and that he was going to take the firstborn from every home unless one took a lamb and sprinkled its blood over the doorway And then the angel of the Lord, when seeing the blood of the Lamb, would pass over that household. And anyone who was in it would be saved from the angel of death. And at some point in the meal, and we hear this in Exodus 13, the youngest person there, whether it be a little child or in the instance of that Thursday with Jesus and his disciples, whoever the youngest disciple was, would ask the question, What does all this mean? What is this lamb that we eat? What are these bitter herbs? What is this story that is being told? What does it all mean? And so Jesus, when he takes the bread, though, changes the narrative. He said, this bread is my body, which is for you. And when he takes the cup, he says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The significance would not have been lost on the disciples because normally in the Passover meal, looking back to that first Passover meal, what would be there in the middle of the table that they would be eating? The lamb. The lamb that was slain in order to put the blood over the mantle was the very lamb that they would be eating in the Passover meal. But here Jesus says, I am the lamb. I'm the one that you're going to eat. I am the Passover lamb whose blood is the way of salvation. And this is what Paul is saying in verse 26. That when we gather together around the Lord's table that one of the things that we're doing in proclaiming the Lord's death is we're pointing back to that first Passover meal. I and mean, our painting actually catches it rather well. This is a Passover meal, and yet what's in the middle of the table? You have eyes. What is it? It's a loaf of bread. right? It's a loaf of bread. Jesus is there at the center of the table. He is the Passover Lamb. And so when we come together, we're saying that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And we are proclaiming that only in Jesus Christ in his broken body and shed blood that there is any hope for sinners under the judgment of a holy God. By our coming to the table and breaking the bread together, we are saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here at the table, we proclaim Christ as our Savior. We proclaim His death. But we also come to the table in order to feed upon Him as our sustainer. The command that Jesus gives us that Paul talks about here in verse 26 is that we are to eat and drink. We do not only look upon the bread and wine as a picture to remind us of Christ's death, It is a symbol in which we are to participate. No food benefits you unless you consume it. If you were to go over to somebody's house and they were to have a table full of food, and they would say, you can look, but you can't touch, would that be enough? Would you leave the house saying, man, I'm stuffed? No, in fact, you probably would leave more hungry than when you first began. And so the benefit of the food comes by consuming it, not simply by gazing upon it. And this is why we say that it is a meal for believers. When we invite people to the table, we say that all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have been baptized in the name of the Trinity are warmly invited to receive communion with us. Not simply baptized but those who are putting their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because by coming forward and eating and drinking, what you are saying is that Christ is the only hope for sinners and that I have received him into myself that he might save me. That's what's happening when we come forward. And when we come forward, we're not only declaring that we have this communion with God, but with my brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in the Anglican tradition, it's very easy to get wrapped up in the act of receiving communion because it seems like every time we get together, we have communion. And quite frankly, when you have it as often as some people do, we take it for granted. We get used to it. And I wonder how many of us would admit that often we find ourselves coming forward and receiving the bread and the wine without really giving a thought as to what we're doing. That we're proclaiming our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who died in our place. But not simply that, we're not only receiving it as individuals. Of course, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is personal. But we don't come forward alone. We don't say, okay, now it's Tim's turn. Now it's Lee's turn. No, we all come forward as brothers and sisters and gather around the table and partake as a family. And so when we come forward, it's not simply about us and God. It's also about us and the brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ that we're sitting with. And so that's why the Bible says that if you have a grievance with your brother or sister, go and sort that out. Before you come to the table, because by coming to the table with that beef still existing, you're actually making a mockery of the table. That's what Paul says is the problem with the Corinthians. That they're coming forward in a self-interested manner. As if their presence at the Lord's Supper is the only thing that matters. And not actually thinking about those that are coming with them. And so when we come forward proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ And looking to him as our sustainer and coming forward with our brothers and sisters. Tonight as we come to the close of our service and come to the table. I hope that our souls will rise up and say hallelujah true and living bread. And you can only share in that only if you have shared in Christ. Not merely spectated or admired Jesus but have been a partaker of him. Have you received him into your life? Have you opened the gates of your soul and said, Lord Jesus, I hunger and I thirst for you? Have you been reconciled to him so that you might be reconciled to God? Because that is what the Lord's Supper proclaims. That I feed upon Christ as my sustainer. For the bread of God, Jesus says, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. We declare this at the Lord's table. That only in Jesus do we find the spiritual food that the soul needs. Eric Alexander put it this way. The great business of the Christian life is to feast on all that Christ is to the believer in himself, so that the riches of his grace may fill my life with all its fullness, that I might have Christ as my wisdom, Christ as my righteousness, Christ as my sanctification, Christ as my love, that Christ in all of his glory may be the one in whom I feast. And when we come to the table, do we think that way? Have you ever been in one of those moments when you come to a table, say at a family gathering, a Thanksgiving or a Christmas feast, and you walk in and someone has put forward an incredible amount of time and effort to prepare this amazing spread. And you may even say to one another, what a beautiful table. And all of our elderly relatives actually say, don't sit down yet, I want to take a picture. I I want to remember this. Look at how beautiful this table is. And so should we not be saying to one another as we come to his table, isn't it marvelous what Jesus has done? What a beautiful Savior. What a marvelous spread before us. The institution of the Lord's Supper proclaims Christ as our Savior It's a feeding on Christ as our sustainer. And thirdly, we look for Christ to come again to reign as king. Now you see here in verse 26 that it says that we partake of the bread and wine and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Which means that the Lord's Supper is a temporary meal. It's an unfinished meal. Because yes, the supper looks back to the Passover meal But it also looks forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Every time we come to the Lord's table, that anticipation of that fuller meal should be a part of our experience. It should get us to look forward to that great meal when we're reunited with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in this supper, we only have a foretaste. It's not meant to fill you up. It's not meant to be an end. How could it possibly be? Uh, a church I once served, uh, it was actually uh, it was possible to do this. We didn't think it was. Uh, but a little boy came forward for communion and he received the bread and the wine. And then unbeknownst to us, he circled around and found another place at the rail and received the bread and the wine. And it wasn't until the third go-around that we realized, wait a minute. But three wafers and three sips of wine, that's not enough to fill you. It's only a foretaste. Now, my food snobbery is going to come out at this point. Because what it really is, for instance, when you go to a really fancy restaurant, one of the things that the waiter is probably going to bring out in the first instance is what? Come on, food snobs, don't leave me hanging. Re- uh, unite with me. And a amuse-bouche. Now an amuse-bouche is a teeny tiny little thing that the chef has brought to your table, and nobody has an amuse-bouche and says, "Woo, done." But what it's supposed to do is to wet your appetite so that you look forward to the rest of the meal. It's not meant to be anything except a foretaste, and the Lord's Supper is like that. Our hearts look forward to when Christ will come in glory. When we actually will be seated at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lord's Supper ought to give us an appetite for that great supper that is to come. Because here we have a taste of glory, but it won't be fully realized until we behold him face to face and we feast in the house of Zion. And so as we come to the table this evening, that we would remember the three things that Paul puts forward here in verse 26. That As we come to the table, that this supper is intended to be an occasion where Christ is proclaimed as Savior, that He's the one who died our death in order that we might live, that this supper is intended to be an occasion where we feed on Christ as our sustainer and that we come forward as brothers and sisters, and that the Lord's Supper is intended to be an occasion where we look for Christ to come again as we experience a foretaste of heaven. Let us pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this great foretaste of heaven, that we wouldn't take your supper for granted, but as we come, we would understand who we are, but above all, who you are and what you've done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, that this supper would have us to remember the Lamb that was slain for the world, but moreover, that great marriage supper of the Lamb that we look forward to with eager hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.